This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Congress has sent President Bush a bill that strips much judicial oversight from the president's foreign intelligence gathering and gives telecom companies immunity for breaking federal law in the past. Tim Lee, a Cato Institute adjunct scholar, discusses the real-world impact of that legislation. On Wednesday, the Senate voted on legislation that the House passed last month um, that would do two things, really. It would um, grant retroactive immunity to um, companies that might have violated the law while participating in the eavesdropping programs, and it also, going forward, uh, made it much easier for the government to engage in blanket surveillance without a lot of uh, judicial oversight. And there were um, a few amendments that would have stripped out the immunity provisions, and those were rejected fairly by fairly wide margins. Uh, I believe John McCain uh, didn't make it to the vote, although I think he would have voted um, in favor of the legislation if he had been there. Um, Hillary Clinton, interestingly, uh, had voted uh, sort of with the White House um, back in, in February when the previous version of the legislation came up, but this time she voted with her with the majority of her fellow Democrats um, against the legislation. Um, in contrast, Barack Obama did, went the other way. He um, promised to and did vote to um, vote against the immunity and, and some of these other provisions back in February, um, but now um, in July he voted in favor of uh, the legislation, which includes the immunity and the, the greater eavesdropping powers. Okay, tangibly, what does this uh, legislation do to the future of warrantless eavesdropping on Americans? What it means is that it's much easier for the Bush administration for the next six months and any future administrations to engage in um, broad sort of dragnet surveillance of international um, communications. In the past, if the government wanted to um, intercept a, a call that goes from an American to somebody overseas, they had to get a FISA warrant that uh, specified who would be spied upon um, the, the new legislation replaces that with a, with a quote-unquote certification process where rather than giving um, information about specifically who's going to spy on, they just have to give some general parameters about how the spying is going to occur, and the choice of targets is up to um, the government. And I think the result of that is going to be uh, of, of quite an expansion of the amount of people who are spied upon, and I think it will really open up the possibility of abuse of these powers because history has shown that when you don't have judicial oversight of these kind of spying powers, they do get abused. Just so we're clear, we're talking about communications that uh, involve a party who is not in the United States. That's right. The, um, the FISA statute has never governed purely international calls. If it's between two foreigners on foreign soil, um, the government can spy on that without any sort of court oversight. Um, similarly, everyone agrees that there needs to be court oversight for purely domestic um, communications. The debate has really been about cases where one end of the call is in the United States and one end of the call is overseas, or cases where the government isn't sure where the endpoints are. And for those um, kinds of calls, traditionally a warrant has been required. Um, the new legislation greatly loosens those restrictions so that in most cases they can eavesdrop without a warrant. This does appear to bring up some constitutional issues. I mean, aside from the Fourth Amendment issues, there is a long-standing understanding that you have the right to sue people for thing, for having been wronged. That's right, and that, that'll be a really interesting um, 
an interesting challenge. I, I expect that the Electronic Frontier Foundation or the ACLU, which are the two um, organizations that have really led the litigation on this, to bring up that constitutional issue because I believe the courts have held that um, you know a, a tort claim against a, a company or an individual is a kind of property right, and so the courts or the, the Congress can't unilaterally um, abrogate your right to sue. Um, now I don't. I mean, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I'm not sure what the courts will do to that, but that's certainly um, an argument that I think will be raised. The government, before this legislation, had to, at the very least, secure a warrant within 72 hours of beginning surveillance, which itself was a pretty permissive uh, standard. What is the rule now? As you said, it's, it was a per, uh, more permissive than what was available with criminal warrants. Um, but yeah, the, the new legislation makes it much more permissive. Um, the government has uh, a week just to submit the paperwork requesting authorization, and then um, the court has a month to rule on it, and if they rule against the government, the government is allowed to continue the surveillance for another 30 days before they're required to, um, to cease or to, to modify their surveillance in response to the judge's order. Um, and then if the government appeals, the decision, that can give them as much as another 60 days. And what this means is that the government can have as long as four months um, to continue a surveillance program before the court uh, decides whether it's legal. And in many cases, you know, the, the whole surveillance program might take less than four months, which means that the government might be able to um, complete its surveillance work and only find out after the fact that from the, from the courts that it was illegal. It's, it's important, I think, that the uh, if the surveillance program is, is illegal, if it exceeds the limits there in, this, in the law, it's important that it be stopped promptly because um, the government, we, we know from history that, that the government will push, push whatever boundaries are in the law, will try to get as much uh, authority as they can. And this, I think, really is a, a loophole that if the government wants to spy on somebody in a way that the law says they can't, they can just go ahead and do it and they have at least a month and as long as four months to, to get the information they want before the courts will tell them to stop. And I think that's problematic. Tim Lee is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. You can read more on presidential power with and without judicial oversight at Cato.org.